with us, you know, we're in the season of Lent where we're talking about uh, sacred rhythms for Lent. And uh, you may remember on Ash Wednesday is actually when Lent begins. Uh, we had a noon service in the chapel, which was packed out. And then we had a great evening service at 630. And we talked about the importance of confession. You know, we, when we offer prayers of confession as we do nor, near the beginning of every one of our worship, ser, worship services here, uh, it allows us to be reminded that we are sinners in need of God's grace. In fact, the Greek word for sin is an old archery term, amartano. It means to miss the mark. And every time we fail to do what we ought to do, or we even do things we know we shouldn't do, uh, you know, we sin and we miss the mark. And so we are able to thankfully come to a God who, who welcomes us to confess our sins. And as we confess our sins, of course, we're reminded that in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that he paid the price for our sins with his death on a cross. And so we know we've been reconciled to God and that in Jesus, we are forgiven as recipients of that grace and forgiveness, then we can be an instrument of that grace and forgiveness to others. And so prayers of confession is a good spiritual practice. And then if you were here last Sunday, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that Jesus went in out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights where he fasted and prayed in solitude. And, and of course, he was feasting on the word of God. We talked about the fact that fasting is really feasting because when you're normally would be eating, you spend that time actually feasting on Scripture as, as Jesus was clearly doing. Because when he was tempted by the, uh, by the devil on three different occasions, each time he responded by quoting the Scriptures, whether it be a passage from Deuteronomy 8 or from Deuteronomy 6. He quoted the Word of God and helped remind Satan and all of us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you missed any of those sermons, you can find them online on our webpage. But this morning, I want to look at, as Casey was sharing a moment ago, the discipline or the spiritual practice of, of silence. Are you able to find much silence in your life today? Ever since I've had this thing, I have not found a lot of silence, right? It goes off at the most inopportune times, right? And I can silence it, but it still vibrates. It kind of throws me a little bit. And, and with our iPhones or our Androids or whatever you use, so of course, with our 24-hour news cycle and television and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, it's hard to have much silence. One of the things I love about uh, hiking in the Palador Canyon is that my cell phone often doesn't work there. That's great. And I bring a lot of water. And I, I like to hike alone if I can, just to listen to God's uh, word through creation. I like to do that in the mountains of northern New Mexico or uh, Colorado as well, which is not too far from here. I, I enjoy doing that. One of the reasons I love going skiing with my family uh, is actually uh, they are much better skiers than I am. I'm like the slow one on that uh, mountain always. And so we get off the, the lift and they just take off. In fact, John skis like a bullet, just straight down like a race. And I'm like taking my time with the curves, silence and solitude, just listening, uh, observing God's creation, loving the beautiful snow, all that. I, I love that. Do you have a time or a place where you can go for silence and solitude where you can just listen? Listen to God's word. Have you ever spent extended time in silence? Silence with others? In 2012, I had an opportunity to take a class from uh, Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is actually a mentor to both Richard Foster and John Ortberg, and I quote their books a whole lot. I, qu I quote Dallas Willard some. But we took this class in a monastery where we talked about the different spiritual practices that Jesus did in the earliest church and even some of the desert fathers, and then we did them. One of the practices was a 24-hour day of silence and solitude where we were instructed to not talk or say a thing, which as an extrovert was a little hard for me because I, I get paid to talk. I like talking to people. And I felt, you know, hey, we're all getting to know each other. Let's talk over meals. But we didn't. We just sat there and ate quietly. And we were encouraged to spend some time alone in prayer. 
And the prayer that we were encouraged to pray is a prayer that I've mentioned here before. It's from Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. Little young Samuel prays, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I think we can show that to you from the NIV. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can you just say that with me? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is a great prayer to pray. If you want to to hear God's word, if you want to hear God speak to your heart and soul and, and mind. One of the books that we read for the class was called The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. If you don't have this book, I would highly recommend you buy it. We do have it in the library, but that's ours. You can't write in that one. But if you buy this, you can write in your own and have your own and underline and highlight. And I love it. It's a great book because it explains how God uses these spiritual practices, these spiritual rhythms to really change our lives. And it's very similar to Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, which I reference a lot. And if you actually go to the acknowledgments of this book, and this says a lot to me about Dallas Willard, it says this, uh, Richard Foster is thanking, this is an original edition, he says, it was through the friendship and teaching of Dallas Willard that I first saw the meaning and necessity of the spiritual disciplines. His life is the embodiment of the principles of this book. Dallas Willard did these practices. He lived out these practices. And I had an opportunity in this class actually to, to sit down and have a lunch with him one-on-one. It was crazy. It was like our first day and people going through the food line and he sits at a table for two and I'm like, well, he shouldn't sit alone, right? Because I'm an extrovert and why would you want to be alone? So I, I, I sat and I said, hey, can I sit with you? And he was so kind. He said, sure, come on down. And I had read a lot of his books. So I had like tons of questions to ask him. So I was just dropping one question after another. And then he kept bringing it back to me and was asking questions about me from Amarillo, Texas, you know, tell me about your church. And he he got me to talk about myself and and he was a great listener. You know, if you want to love someone well, listen to him. So few people are willing to listen, to really listen to what others have to say and what they're thinking and what they're feeling. He had a great way of, of listening to others. And this ability to listen to others was, well, it was honed because he he practiced the spiritual discipline of, of silence. He actually has an entire section in his book about silence, the spiritual practice of silence. I want to share with you what, what Richard Foster has to say. He, he, he writes this. I'm sorry, Dallas Willard, uh, Dallas Willard. As with all the disciplines, we should approach the practice of silence in a prayerful, experimental attitude, confident that we shall be led into its right use for us. It's a powerful and essential discipline. Only silence will allow us life-transforming concentration upon God. It allows us to hear the gentle God whose only son shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice above the street noise. We have to get away from the street noise if we want to hear God's voice, right? He doesn't come yelling all the time. It's true, he spoke through a burning bush to Moses, but often in Scripture we'll see that, well, that God speaks through a gentle whisper. We see this specifically in, in uh, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. You may remember the story of, of Elijah the prophet from Sunday school. Elijah was the great prophet of God, and, and uh, Queen Jezebel uh, was promoting these prophets, these false prophets of Baal. And uh, he actually, she actually had several of the prophets of Yahweh killed. But Elijah took on the 400 prophets of Baal, and they had this fire-making contest, and, and they called to their god, Baal, which is a false god, a fertility god, to light this fire. And uh, then Elijah's like, hey, I got you better. He poured water on his wood, soaked it up in the midst of a drought, 
And then, you know, with just a simple prayer, God brings fire, opens up, burns the flame. Everyone realizes Baal's the false god. They kill the false prophets of Baal. And Queen Jezebel is irate. And so she puts a bounty. She says, I'm going to kill Elijah no matter what it takes. And so Elijah has to flee for his life. You may remember he goes to Mount Horeb, which is actually better known as Mount Sinai, which is the same place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. In the wilderness, we have this incredible encounter that Elijah has with the living God. We read about it in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 12, where it says, And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. The Hebrew term that's been translated as low whisper here can also be translated as calm stillness or silence. God speaks in the calm stillness. I know that not everyone can go two weeks into a monastery like I did with Dallas Willard to get calm stillness. But you know, we can drive our cars without the radio on. We can walk around our neighborhood without the earbuds in. We can go hiking in Palatine Canyon with lots of water, lots of water. Uh, you know, we can hike. In the, it's always 10 degrees hotter down there. You, gotta, you can go hiking in Palatine Canyon without earbuds and just listen to the sound that God makes through his creation. Of course, we hear God speak most clearly through his word. And if we want to hear the voice of God regularly so that it's the loudest voice that we hear when we face different temptations as Jesus was tempted by the devil, we've got to make sure that we're spending time in, in silence and solitude and prayer, listening to God so that we might understand the value for our lives and what the importance of being quick to listen and slow to speak. I would encourage you to turn to the epistle of James, uh, James chapter 1, verse uh, 16 to 21. You can find it on your iPhone or Android or piece of paper book like I have. Uh, and so, verse James. Now, before I read uh, James 1, I want to give a little bit of background about James and who he was. He was the half-brother of Jesus. In fact, uh, of all the apostles and disciples, James spent more time with Jesus than any of them because he grew up with Jesus. You know, Jesus had 30 years of living as the son of a carpenter before he launched his public ministry. Peter and John and all those guys, Andrew, they spent three years with Jesus in public ministry. But, but James spent 30 years or close to it. He probably wasn't quite 30 years, but close to it with his older brother, Jesus. And what's interesting is if you read the Gospels, you'll see that, well, James and the other brothers didn't necessarily recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, right? They didn't honor him as the Son of God or as the Messiah. In fact, sometimes they were like, you know, hey, Jesus, you're acting out. You need to get away from all you're doing. You're kind of acting up. And, and, and Jesus said, no, I've got a mission, you know, and I, I've got to focus on what I need to do. But what's interesting is if you read 1 Corinthians 15, Paul shares the gospel that he preached, and he tells the account, specific account, that was being shared by the earliest church, that the resurrected Jesus appeared to Peter, the disciples, and to James, this half-brother of Jesus. I've always wondered what that conversation was like, right? Mm -hmm. Your big brother Jesus shows up, you know, and you they were kind of doubting him the whole time he was doing his ministry, and, and there he is, and I can just see Jesus saying, hey, what's up, little bro, you know? And, 
I am. That's what's up. You know, I mean, here I am. I've risen. Isn't this awesome? Look at my hands, my feet. Do you believe me now? I mean, right? I mean, you who doubt, you know, you have little faith, you know, whatever. You know, maybe give them a noogie on the head. I don't know what they did, but you know. <laughs> what an interesting relationship, right? But James was so transformed by seeing his resurrected brother that he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, you can read the powerful story of the council of Jerusalem when they were trying to figure out, what do we do with the Gentiles, these non-Jews? Do we need them to be circumcised? And there was this big debate going on, and Paul had his say, and Peter had his say. But then James, like E.F. Hutton, if you remember those commercials from the 80s, the financial advisor, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens, right? When James spoke, people listened. James writes a powerful letter of instruction and direction for all of us today and helps us see the importance of silence in our lives. To see what James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus has to say, turn to James 1, verses 16 to 21. But before I read God's Word, let's call upon His Spirit to guide us in the reading and, and preaching of His Holy Word. Please join me as you pray. Lord, I thank You and praise You that You inspired James, the half-brother of Jesus, who at one time questioned his brother's ministry didn't see what others saw, but then by your spirit, you helped him see as he encountered his resurrected brother. And James became a leader for the church. And I pray, Lord, that as he has provided these powerful instructions to the first century church, that we too might hear these words, that we might faithfully apply them, knowing that as James says, faith without deeds is dead. We're not simply to be hearers of the word, but doers as well. So God, I pray that by your spirit, as we read these words, you might speak to us, that we might hear from you. That you might give us eyes to see what you want us to see and a heart that could be opened and transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray in all God's people sin. Amen. James Chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. Listen to God's word. James writes, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." Here ends the reading of God's Word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our Lord stands forever. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as you read in Isaiah, like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, so he did not open his mouth. Even though he was wrongfully accused and condemned, he did not open his mouth. And this amazed Pilate that Jesus did not try to give a defense, but in all humility he was willing to follow his Father's leading and go to a cross to die for us, where he prayed for us, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, help us to follow these wise words of James, the half-brother of Jesus, that we might be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, that we might spend time in silence, listening to your word as it's revealed to us in Scripture, but also listening to the promptings of your Holy Spirit that we might be attentive to the needs of those around us, that we might really listen to them and and be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, knowing that it is your word as it becomes implanted in our heart that ultimately saves our souls, the word of truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that ever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you'd help us to be the kind of people who, who are quick to listen, slow to speak, knowing that a kind word turns away wrath, that we wouldn't escalate arguments, but we would seek to be peacemakers. For you tell us, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And you've instructed us to pray for those who persecute us, pray for those who hurt us, pray for our enemies. And so I pray for all of our enemies, that you might Speak to them as you have spoken to us, as we've taken the time we need to listen to you. May each one of us, each and every day, take some time to be still, to be silent, to listen, and to know that you are God. It's in your son's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.